Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Nine ways to manage cash like a billionaire. Some of these are certainly not going to be what you might expect a billionaire does managing cash, but it's certainly true to say that you won't get more money until you learn to manage what you already have. And a lot of people don't necessarily have a problem of income, they perceive that they do, they actually have a problem of managing cash properly. Many people earn enough money and have done for a long enough amount of time to be able to have lots of free passive income, spare reserve capital, but they've squandered it and they've managed it badly. So I have nine ways to effectively manage cash uh, which could build your wealth. And the good news about this is you don't have to make millions to still have some level of flexibility and freedom when it comes to money. So the first fundamental rule of man- managing cash uh, is that you must preserve capital at all costs. A lot of people get capital, lumps of money through salary, dividend, drawing, selling stuff, uh, and they spend it. But um, whilst you don't need money to make money, it's certainly true that money attracts money. Uh, And so if you erode capital, then you have nothing left to draw income on. Uh, And this will actually link nicely to point number seven, something like that. So the, the better you manage and preserve the capital that you have, rather than feel the need to spend it or rush to invest it, Um, the more you'll likely attract and the less you'll lose. Now, this could be another point, but I'm going to link it to this point. A lot of people go really wrong with managing cash through impatience. Because, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and an investor, you know, and you watch the media, watch Netflix, etc., you know, you feel like it's excitement, it's doing deals, you know, you feel like you've always got to be busy. Warren Buffett only does about one or two major investments a year. And let's say that's on two different days. So 363 out of 365 days, Warren Buffett is sitting on his hands. He's not doing anything with his money. He's reading annual reports, he's doing diligence and research, and he's not deploying capital. Now, at the moment, Mark and I um, have got three offers out on cars, two classic Ferraris and one Lamborghini Aventador. And I must admit, because I want these babies, like, you know, I'm in a little bit of a rush to go and invest the money. Why? Because interest rates are low in the bank. I've got enough watches. I've not got a a better use of the capital. And, um, you know, the classic car prices have come down quite a lot. So we feel like that's a better use of money than money in the bank. But Mark's like, well, let's just wait and let's just wait and let's just keep analysing and let's send our inspectors out there to check the cars, make sure we're not doing anything wrong. Let's look at as many as we can. Let's go and see them, drive them, view them. Uh, And actually, since we've been doing that, the prices have become been going lower and lower and lower and lower. And Testarossa's, standard Testarossa's were 150, 170, 180 um, two years ago. And and the offer we've got on one, which is just, what, 14,000 miles, is 100 grand. So that's a smart play by Mark. Sit on your hands. Don't be in a rush to get your money out. 
now, don't just do nothing. Do research. You know, good thing about going and viewing investments and going, say, you're a property investor, you go and do loads of viewings and you analyse a lot of deals is you can stay busy. Because a lot of people, they just get impatient or they feel like they want to stay busy or they feel uh, guilty or fear of missing out if they're not busy. Therefore, they make rash uh, decisions when deploying capital. So fundamental at all costs, preserve capital. Um, the second rule of managing cash is that capital produces income. So use capital to invest in assets that produce income. Don't use capital to put into depreciating liabilities. Don't use capital where you're getting a negative return because of inflation. Certainly don't use your um, capital to you know, buy um, things that don't last. If you take your capital, invest in an asset that pays recurring income, then you can use the recurring income to buy the depreciating liability. I'll give you an example. Let's say you wanted a, a standard Mercedes, a nice but a standard one that might be £300 a month on a, a two or three year lease. Um, so if you went and bought one HMO with some capital or used some capital and raised some finance for the rest uh, and you had, say, net £500 a month, then you've got new £500 a month income coming in that you didn't have before. Uh, and instead of deploying the capital to buy the Mercedes and that new £300 a month Mercedes might be £35,000, that'll be worth £20,000 in three years. So you've reduced your capital by 40%. Instead, you take the capital, you put it into an income producing asset. You can also leverage some good debt on that and you can gear it up slightly. You get net 500 pounds, you get capital appreciation, you get your capital preserved because it's in an asset that's going up. So the cash goes up in line with the uh, asset. You've preserved it against inflation and you spending it, which often you are the biggest sort of enemy of preserving your capital. You get income you didn't have. That income pays for the Mercedes and has some change. So in effect, you created the, um, you know, the payments for the Mercedes out of nothing by preserving the capital. And a lot of people you know, go on holidays and then they come back with massive debts or they use their capital to buy things that go down in value. Uh, it's just a change of habit. And yeah, okay, so you might need a bit of discipline. You might think, okay, I want a nice car. It's 300 pounds a month on a two or a three year lease. It might take you six months to a year to find a good asset, um, to invest the capital in it, to refurb it, to rent it out. But that discipline is a good lesson for you to understand, uh, you know, managing cash and assets and the time it takes to create the income. Okay, point three then on managing cash like a billionaire is don't be unrealistic about the return on cash. Now, of course, you can get good return on investments, return on, you know, you can, essentially you could get infinite return on investment if you put some money into a property, the property went up in value and you extracted all your cash back. That's an infinite return on investment. Uh, and so, you know, you could get a return on investment in the thousands of percent in a business if you put a few grand into your business. A lot of the time, return on investments are a return on time invested. But when it comes to actual capital that you deploy, cash, lumps of money, people expect 20%, 30%, 100%, you know, 1% a day, 1% a month. It's unrealistic and it's naive. Pure cash, capital, return on capital, return on cash, you should expect 5%. That's pretty normal. If you put it in an ISA, in a well-managed fund, um, about 5% return on your capital. So that's 50 grand for every million uh, in capital that you have. That's a realistic, scalable and leverageable rate of return. Um, don't get unrealistic about rates of return. Um, return on investment and return on time, you can definitely expect much more. Okay then, so point four of nine 
is understanding what burn rate is. So most people have no idea what cash burn rate is. But burn rate is the amount of time your capital erodes, gets spent. And in businesses, it's usually measured by months. So how many months burn rate, i.e. how many months worth of capital do you have where if you took no money in your business, you made no sales, or you know, what would the total overhead um, fixed and variable be? So let's say your fixed and variable running costs in a business are 50 grand a month. So obviously, if you had 50 grand in the bank, you have a month's burn rate. If you had 150 grand in the month, you have three months burn rate. And you need to know your business burn rate. So because what that does is firstly, it helps you work out your fixed and variable costs. Um, and that's obviously important to know in a business. The second thing is you, you can then start targeting increasing the month's burn rate. So I remember what a decade ago reading up a lot on Bill Gates and he liked to have a year's worth of cash in the bank. So he had 12 months burn rate of cash. So if, he, if, if Microsoft was spending, I don't know, 10 million a month on overhead, probably 100 million a month, he'd like to have 1.2 billion in the bank without doing any sales. And obviously the higher your burn rate, um, you know, the higher the amount of months cash in the bank you have, the more healthy your financial position is, the more you can endure a crash, low sales, you know, regulation, recession, etc. You've also got to know it for your personal situation. Uh, and I measure that in months. Uh, and it's nice when you can get to zero months. In fact, that is uh, one of my later points. So I'll move on to that one. So um, do you measure your capital reserves? Are you building your capital reserves? Are you targeting an increased burn rate? Now, what that also does is force you to obviously increase your capital reserves, but it forces you to reduce your overhead because if you reduce your overhead but don't change your capital reserves, then of course you can increase the, you know, the amount of days or months you have as the burn rate of your business. Okay then, right, next is getting to zero. So for most people, watching, listening around the world on this money audio and video podcast, you know, the first metric you have is zero, zero days. Uh, and that is getting rid of all your debt so that actually you're going to be in the black, not in the red. Uh, and it can be demoralizing trying to target to get to zero. But hey, every target is a credible um, benchmark in your journey. Um, it's a flag that you put in the ground. Um, so if you are minus days, burn rate personally, or in business, then measure it. Don't be delusional about it. Now, if you are in the days, not the months and the years, you might measure burn rate by days, not by months. Of course, when you're in three months plus, you can measure it by months. So target zero first, then one month, then three months, then six months, then 12 months. People are always saying to me, how should I target? And, you know, sort of having capital reserves. So, you know, six months worth of burn rate personally for you is, okay, let's say your total overheads are £5,000 a month for your school fees and your mortgage and your car and two holidays a year and everything else. Um, well, obviously, £5,000 savings is you've got one month or 30 days worth of, you know, burn, burnable money without any income. Uh, and then your target, once you've got to 12 months, is to then get to, you know, 12 years and then your life. So I remember maybe about six, seven years ago, um, and it was about two, three years after I became a millionaire, where I, my burn rate hit beyond my lifetime. So if I'm, I'm optimistic, I think I might live for 55 years healthily. I'm 39 now. Uh, and I remember when back then my burn rate got over 50 years, which meant if I never worked another day in my life and all my assets went to nothing and I had no income, 
I could survive, I could still put my kids through private school, etc., for the rest of my life. And then, I, and then you target the, the, the duration of the life of your children, etc. And of course, there'll be billionaires and people like Warren Buffett that could probably do that for a millennium. Um, and it's just a measure and a metric. And when you know your measurements and your metrics, you know, your KPIs, essentially, you have targets to hit towards, which makes you more motivated and focused and gets you more clear. And obviously, you're more likely to hit them. Okay, next measurement and management of cash is what we call the cash flow cycle. So the cash flow cycle is essentially the amount of debt or credit days you're in selling your products and services. Dell are one company who really revolutionized this and my, one of my companies, Progressive Property, we've been able to do this too. So the ideal situation to be in is when you're in minus cash flow cycle days. So I'll give you an example of positive cash flow cycle days. So let's say you are an e-commerce retailer and you sell physical products. It doesn't really matter what it is. I've got this little Joby tripod underneath this phone or I've got this Zoom H1 here. Let's say I sell Zoom H1s. Well, I've got, let's say <clears throat> they're 100 quid, I think. Let's say I buy them for 55 quid. And I'll do 50 quid to make the maths easy. So I've got, if I want to buy 100 of them, I've got to spend five grand. Um, and then my cash flow cycle, the number of days in it, is how many days it takes me to get that capital back. Because I'm paying for it in advance, I'm creating a debt. Let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, it takes me 60 days to sell all my Zoom H1s. Then I've got a 60-day cash flow cycle, which means I've got 60 days of exposure, of debt in the business, held in stock. Now, obviously, you know, that's, that's maybe not a problem, especially if you've got 600 days worth of burn rate cash. But I'm essentially creating a debt and I'm forward promising or hoping, you know, oftentimes that I'm going to pull the income back. So that's a that's a number of days cash flow cycle. Whereas what, what, what Dell did is they you go and buy a bespoke computer that you build from scratch on their website. They take the money and then they build it and then they deliver it for you. And let's say that delivery takes 14 days. So they've got a minus 14 days, i.e. they're holding your money. They've got the money before they sell the product. They have the money for 14 days. Now, when you turn over billions of pounds, 14 days of interest is quite a lot of money. Um, so manage and understand what the amount of days are that you have in your cash flow cycle. It's really important to reduce it and reduce it. And, and let's say, for example, you're normally 60 days from buying all your Zoom H1s and then selling them. But then you've sold them, but your invoice term is 30 days but then your clients are 60 days late, then you're 60 plus 30 plus 60. You're 150 days cash flow cycle. And what's that, a third of a year? That's really bad for your cash flow. Now, Progressive Property is one of my training organizations, um, you know, and all the books I sell and everything else. We'll sell a course and then people will do the course in a week or two weeks or three weeks. So we, again, have created that uh, negative uh, number of days cash flow cycle, which is really healthy for the cash flow in your business. Very important measure. Most business people don't know about it. And you want to measure that as one of your KPIs. Okay, next then is spreading and deploying your capital. So once you get to a decent amount of capital, it's really important not to have it stored in one place. And I'm going to give you some examples. If you have all of your cash tied up in one investment, something happens to that investment, it gets regulated, there's a recession, there's a crash in that particular class, your capital is going to erode. That's difficulty number one. If you have um, money in the bank, there are many elaborate schemes and scams. There's always people 
emailing various members of our finance team, pretending to be Mark or I or head of finance. There's some really elaborate schemes that can basically, you know, trick people into sending money your way, you know, and they're getting better and better. So if you have all of your capital in one place, you've got risk, you have risk of theft. Um, you have a security issue. So once you've got decent lumps of capital, you want to start spreading it around. So you have, you know, more than one bank account. You have a savings account, you have a um, current account, and then you have a savings account not linked to the same bank, because banks might only guarantee 50 or 70,000 pounds of your income. But I bet you if there's a run on a bank and they say they guarantee 70,000 uh, pounds of your ca capital, I bet you they don't look around in Greece. So you never know. Um, you know, if you put all your money into one nice watch and that gets nicked, um, so you want to start spreading your capital around. Put some in an ISA, put some in an ISA in your children's name, you can have junior ISAs. Uh, put some in the stock market, put, have them in different managed funds. Have commercial property and retail property, um, sorry, residential property. Uh, now, you, don't, you can't spread capital around when you don't have any, but when you get decent lumps, that's why I'm starting to buy some classic cars. Um, yeah, I'm going to get enjoyment out of that, but really I'm just trying to spread my capital into another asset. Now, I didn't used to buy art and watches and things like that when I didn't have a lump of capital. And you've got to build a lump of capital and probably invest in a major class or a major business strategy before you can then spread it around. But if you don't spread it around, um, then you risk it reducing, getting uh, stolen or, um, you know, some kind of, I don't know, run, recession, difficulty in your, in, in your capital preservation. All right, then. Next is, this might be the last one. Uh, thanks for tuning in and staying this far. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, so drawing versus retaining earnings. So retained earnings in a company are profits or dividends or drawings that haven't been drawn. They're sat in cash in the company. Um, and I believe it's important to balance drawing versus retaining income profits. Now, a lot of people... Um, when they start a business, they don't draw any income for a few years and they almost wear that like, you know, wings or a badge of honor saying, hey, you know, I don't draw any money from the business. Well, that's not good. If a business can't pay you, then it's not a business, it's a hobby. And you'll never sell a business if it's not paying you or someone to replace you because that's a cost that needs to be attributed to the business. So the, the sale price of your business will be reduced to, to factor that in. Uh, and if you, you know, if you don't start edging up what you pay yourself, uh, you won't also edge up the turnover in line. So a business has to sustain paying its, its staff and its overhead. So you should draw some money. But if you draw all of your profits all the time, you don't have these cash reserves to build up this, you know, these um, days, months, years worth of, you know, reserve capital. So Mark and I, as a general rule of thumb across our businesses, we like to draw 50% of our net profit or, um, you know, our dividends uh, or our drawings, if it's in an LLP. And we like to keep in cash the other 50%. And we may either just leave it there to increase our number of months of cash reserves, or we may reinvest it back into marketing. We may reinvest it into staff, personnel, into um, other assets like buying new offices because we're always growing our staff and, and, and often need to, to build new offices or to increase the quality of our buildings and the, you know, I don't know, the, the training facilities, the equipment, etc., which can be depreciated, by the way. So, it, you know, you might be 70-30 in favour of drawing versus retaining um, or the opposite if you're making really good money. Uh, but I think if you balance that, then you can feed your need because you should be paying yourself and increasing your pay because that's one of the metrics that the business is more healthy um, and you shouldn't be working for free. 
Um, but also, the more you can reinvest into your money. I personally most like reinvesting in people and marketing. I think they're the two highest rates of return in any business. Um, then obviously you can grow your business, which creates more turnover, which hopefully creates more net profit, which feeds more drawings for yourself and more retained profit. So you create this virtuous cycle. All right, so I'm going to sum up the nine things I covered in How to Manage Your Cash Like a Billionaire. Um, thanks for tuning in. So preserve capital at all costs is point one. Be patient. Don't uh, waste um, money. Don't you know, use capital where you don't need to. Uh, and certainly sit in your hands when you're feeling emotional and you want to chuck money away. Um, capital produces income. So the more capital you can build, the more income that produces. Number three, expect a 5% return on capital, but you could expect a 500% or an infinite return on time or return on investment. But be realistic about return on capital because if you think you can, you know, like even people who get one, two or 3% a month, if they're bridging lenders, they get that much because there's risk, because there's loss and that has to be factored in. And net, they don't get a huge amount of money. They don't get 3% a month net. Gross and net, understand the difference between gross and net because obviously that's huge. And burn rate is a really important metric of measuring capital and it's the amount of months you've got without income that you could survive and pay all overhead. Um, you could measure that in days, then months, then years. <clears throat> the first metric is zero, getting out of minus days worth of survivable capital without save, uh, sales. Um, and then try and build it to 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 180 days and so on. Measure your cash flow cycle, which is the amount of days that you're in debt before you're in credit, which is like buying stock and then getting the stock back. And can you revolutionize your business by reversing that cycle into negative if you um, sell a training course before you deliver it or if you build a computer before, you know, and they pay for it before you deliver it or you sell a holiday before they consume it. Um, that's a, you know, that's quite, that was a revolutionary business model when uh, Dell started to do that. And, you know, a lot of people are doing that now on their furniture companies. You'll pay for the um, furniture and then they'll get delivered 90 to 180 days later. Um, once you build capital, spread it around. Uh, and then draw roughly 50% and retain roughly 50% of your capital that you earn as profit. All right, so thanks for tuning in. So if you search me, Rob Moore, or Rob Moore Progressive, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, where we interact, um, where you know I answer your questions, where we've got, I think I've got 130,000 people on my page and about 10,100 in the uh, Disruptive Entrepreneur community. Um, you know, like we're often engaging with each other. I'm often answering, answering your questions personally. So if you've not had any interaction with me because you're all over the world or you just listen, um, I'd encourage you to um, ping me a question, test me. Um, I, I do my best to help as many people as I can. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.